Welcome everyone to episode 5 of the Powder Blues. If you cannot tell already, I did get a new microphone, so hopefully the audio should be much improved for this episode and future ones. Uh, as for episode 5 of the Powder Blues, we will be talking everything Chargers, from the disappointing loss to the Raiders in the season finale that caused us to miss the playoffs for the third consecutive season, to addressing what needs to be done in the offseason, whether it be in free agency, in the draft, or any type of front office or coaching changes to be made. And just overall, we're going to be talking about the Chargers and the state of the team after another disappointing non-playoff season with great quarterback play. So giddy up for this one. We may laugh. We may cry. Trust me. I've been emotional the last couple days after this loss. But this is going to be just a raw talking about the Chargers, basically what I say in my head to myself every day for the past how many years about this team. It's just going to come out in person to the world. So get ready. So let's get this started by recapping the game against the Raiders, the heartbreaker in week 18 on Sunday night. Some fans will call it a thriller, I call it heartbreaking. Uh, but the game started out really, really ugly. Uh, it was 10-0 Raiders really quickly. They got a field goal on the opening drive due to a 50-yard pass to Foster Morrow, which guess whose fault that was? Kenneth Murray. We'll be talking about him probably quite frequently um, in this episode, especially in this recap of this game. Then, due to a muff punt, the Raiders got a touchdown. Renfro ended up scoring at the goal line. We, though, answered in the second with a couple Eckler TDs to go up 14-10. And it looked like we had all momentum at that point, really. It felt like we did. And then the Raiders had their drive there at 3rd and 23. And there's still a minute left. We, were gonna, we had a couple timeouts. We were going to get the ball to start the second half. So no matter what, we were going to be up by at least four with the ball coming out of halftime with all momentum. Well, that's where our run D kicked in. 23-yard run by Richard. Just brutal. On third and 23, they went Ray Rice up the middle. Ray, hey, diddle, diddle, Ray Rice up the middle, part two. Terrible. And then after that, the worst pass interference call I have ever seen. We've seen the worst never, the worst no call pass interference in the Saints-Ram game. Well, this was the worst ever called. Throw not, not even in the vicinity of the receiver, of Zay Jones, was the pass by Carr. Just nowhere near. And and supposedly that's supposed to be implemented in the rule is where it has to be it has to be a catchable ball or whatever they call it. But obviously it wasn't. Obviously that rule just doesn't matter because they're the refs. That's, that's what NFL officiating does. They make up their own rules based on who they want to win the game and whatnot, which obviously we knew who they wanted to win that night. And he, and he just really fell down. I mean, he was going. He didn't know where he was going himself or where the ball was. So there's no, it was just a ridiculous call. It, ruined, it took all the momentum away. Raiders end up scoring a touchdown, going up 17-14 at the half. And it, it really, it changed this whole game. I hate to say it. We didn't lose because of the officiating, but was it a reason? 100%. I even saw a statistic where plays that impact, it was like what calls impacted the game most, and obviously that one impacted the most out of any game in Week 18. No surprise there. And then we came out extremely, extremely flat in the second half. And I, I, I almost point to the first drive because... The Chargers are really easy to figure out based on how the first drive goes. I figured this out, and it's been this—it's really been the same cue all year except for the Patriot game. That's where that game we went down the field first drive looked beautiful, and then we, our offense was really flat the rest of the night. Other than that, how that first drive goes—even if we like say move the ball and if we don't get points or just get a field goal—I can tell. And like in the Philly game where we go 98 yards and don't get points because we need to go 99. Like stuff like that, when we at least look good and move the ball, I can tell, or instead of going three and out, I can tell 
that's going to be a better game. And we went obviously we went three and all in this game, and I, I didn't want to I didn't want to think it, but I was thinking in my mind I'm like, well shoot, when this happens, we usually know how this game ends, and well, or how our offense plays that day, and really for the most part of this game, obviously, it was the truth until the end. Uh, but yes, the Raiders end up scoring all 12 points until about four minutes left in the game in the second half going up 29 14 they got three more points because our offense couldn't get a third and one and this is my problem i love going for it all year i stand by staley i've always wanted that aggressiveness and i hope he does it in the future as well which i think he will i love that motto and i love that belief he has in our team but my problem is after that third and one which i had a problem with that play too it was a it was a stretch run play that took about three seconds to develop now, the way the Raider defensive line dominated all day, you can't do that. And we did that countless times. Like the first drive of the second half, we had a big play to Cookie down the sideline to put us inside, uh, I think, the Raider 30. And then the next play, we run a very slow developing run play. We lose three yards. The next play was a sack. Then it's something I think we just did a little screen or a draw. And then, yeah, we did a draw on third and 21. And then we missed a 50-yard field goal and we got no points. So there was constant plays. It was kind of like the Philly game where we just constantly did a pitch and it never worked. That's what we did in this game with slow developing run plays. It was nauseating. Um, but yeah, we did that, and then it was fourth and one. And this is my problem, is the reason we go for it so much on fourth down is because we who, who we have at quarterback. And I don't care if it's fourth and one or fourth and ten. As this game showed, it needs to be in one guy's hands on fourth down no matter what. And that's number ten, Justin Herbert. Even if it's a QB sneak, I just want him making the play. If he doesn't make the play, I'm okay. But it needs to be in that guy's hands no matter what. And this is why he's truly the MVP of the league. I mean, you can maybe um, say Rodgers. A lot of years it probably is Rodgers. Uh, obviously Brady's, I mean, Brady's always got better defenses and uh, you know palpable defenses that Rodgers never has. Now Herbie in the same, Philly really never had. Um, but this year, I think there's no question the MVP is Justin Herbert. No question. Like, you can't possibly watch that game and say that there's a player more valuable to their team. Like, there's so many, there's probably, I don't think Rodgers might be the only quarterback that can make some of those throws in that game to help us win the game. I don't even think Brady at his age can make those throws. I'm not even kidding you. Because he can't scramble like that and, and throw on those kind of body with his body moving in such ways. I and mean, it's just absolutely incredible what this kid is already doing at just 23 years old. It's scary. And it's also scary the fact that we might ruin it. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but no, so going back, we we took it out of Herbert's hand. We ran, we did another run play. We went in I form and ran the ball in fourth and one and we got stuffed again. Darius Phylon, of course, the former charter Phylon makes the play. We had former charter Casey Hayward get a pick. Just stupid stuff like that was happening all day long. So it was a great job, though, in the end by the defense to only allow a field goal on that play. And they've the goal line defense or the red zone defense this year has been absolutely tremendous. Outside, inside the 20s, not so much. But inside the 20-yard line, the defense has really, really stepped up all season long. And it, it really continued in this game. Uh, and then we saw after a stupid, or after we another three and out, the defense was dead. The Raiders finally put together a drive. Shouldn't shouldn't have got a touchdown again. Another horrible call. Chenny, Chenny Nwosu. Gets called for a BS holding call. They end up scoring a touchdown instead, going up by 12. We threw a pick. They got another field goal due to another short field. And that put us down 15. It looked like the game was going to be over. It was it was looking rough. 
But then we persevered and we got some points. A uh, couple huge fourth down conversions, including fourth and 21, a huge touchdown strike over the middle to Josh Palmer. We got the two point to make it a seven point game. We had life, a little bit of life. As little as it was, we had it with four minutes to go. Then after we forced a three and out, we almost had the ball. I was telling myself, I'm like, Bosa, it's your time to finally make a play in this game. Chenny's been great. It's your time. What does he do? He makes a play. And like all year long, we couldn't fall on the fumble. Justin Jones had it right there. Couldn't fall on. We had one earlier. The first drive of the game, actually, that Foster Morrow 50-yarder was the luckiest bounce ever. Great play by Naz to come from behind and pop it. It barely trickles out at the one-yard line, almost into the end zone, which obviously then would have been a touchback on our ball. But of course it does not. I mean, it just wasn't our night. It wasn't our night. Uh, we didn't get any of the rolls, anything all day long it, from the beginning, from the get-go. But back to that fumble. I mean, our fumble recovery percentage has to be the lowest in like NFL history. It's crazy. I don't know how we're so bad at recovering because I mean, it was just so stupid. It was inside the 20, and instead of just laying on the ball, JJ tries to pick it up. And house call it. We do that all the time. Jerry does it probably there. Jerry Tillery probably does it the most. Not calling him out, but it's just the truth. So we don't get the fumble. Then they punt a very nice punt by Cole. And we have a stupid penalty. So we started our own 17 yard line. So we got to go 83 yards in what, two minutes? No timeouts. Or actually, we had all three timeouts. So we, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it was, it was an ugly drive. Fourth down after fourth down conversion. We it, we couldn't do anything until fourth down, or even at the very least third down. It was ridiculous, but we picked it up every single time, man. And it just showed, and it just showed how good Justin Herbert is. And that's the crazy thing about it is it was so unbelievable his performance, especially at the end of this game, that the story wasn't that the Raiders won the game, because who cares? Nobody cares about the Raiders. That you don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl, not just this year, but in very much years in the future, like we do. But how unbelievable Justin Herbert is and how he's just an absolute gamer and how he deserves to be in the playoffs. That's the truth. Everybody's sad. Nobody wants to see the Raiders other than obviously the officials in Vegas and the money partners want to see the Raiders in the playoffs and their horrendous fan base. But everybody wants to see as a football fan. I would too. I mean, you want to watch one of the most exciting quarterback in the league to watch play or Derek Hart. You, you choose. Uh, but just an just an incredible 19 play drive, huge completions to really everybody, uh, with it ending in a Mike Will touchdown, as time expired. It was probably the most incredible feeling as a Charger fan ever. And I kind of wonder if it was a regular seat, like if it was not like where if we tie we get in as well kind of game, if we would have went for it. Because if so, I think we should. Now I know our receivers were dead too, but obviously their defense was also dead, and our defense was not capable of getting a stop really all game so i i that's one thing that kind of makes me wonder if it wasn't the scenario it was if we would have went for it um and won for the win on that two, or when it went for two and went for the win with no time left i would have been confident if we did to be honest i would have been peeing my pants as much as i was on every fourth down but i would have felt i kind of would have felt good and then we went into overtime and this is another point of discussion overtime rules have to change our season our season was defined by two coin tosses just think of that we lost the division and we lost our the wild card all both of those hopes due to a coin toss obviously against kansas city at home the chiefs win the coin toss they go down and score a touchdown here today because the raiders get more possessions in this game 
they win the game. I mean, if you flip it around, you give us two possessions with how dead just everybody was, but especially especially the defenses. You give us two possessions, they get one, we kick two field goals, and we win the football game. We're going to the playoffs. It's just so it just such a tough feeling that it ended because of that and because our defense is trash. That's what really hurts. Is just how kind of how our season ended the way it did. It it feel like it feel it felt like it was kind of a cheated ending for us, especially for Herbie. He deserved a lot better. But the Raiders, anyways, the Raiders went down. They got a field goal and couldn't stop the run. They should have had a touchdown. If Carr wasn't terrible and missed Waller wide open, they would have won the game on a tutty. But instead, they got a field goal. And then we had a quick fourth down again, fourth and nine, and just another ridiculous throw by Herbie. And at this point, these throws just don't even make me, I don't even know. It's just like, okay, because I, I see it every single week. Every single week, he does something where it's like, how does this guy do it? again and again and again to Mike Will and obviously Mike Will was shot uh, he kind of got hurt earlier in the game anyways so he probably wasn't feeling too great his body either and he had 17 targets so he he was dead obviously you could tell at the end of the game but if he if he wasn't he probably would outran uh, whoever their safety was at the time their high safety and would have took it to the house he went 47 though got us into 27 and here is where I'm a little bit disappointed in us we gave it to Eckler for four yards and first down and then we passed it two times now, the second down play should have been a P.I. call. Of course, they didn't call it, though. Casey Hayward obviously bumped Guidey before the ball got there. Should have been a clear P.I. They didn't call it, so we move on to third down. And then we threw a deep ball to Mike Well. He should have probably had it, but like I said, he was dead. He was exhausted at that point. Um, but he showed he showed how tough he is and that showed that he deserves another contract. But sadly, I, I think we should have ran the ball. Like I said, our receiving core was so tired. You could just, I mean, they couldn't even move. We had Andre Roberts out there just running streaks at the end of the game in that last drive in regulation. It was it was bad. But instead, we threw the ball. Because we, th- we threw it 64 times, man. And obviously, it was because of the situation. But there, you got to run the ball. I mean, our running game wasn't terrible on the day. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. Like in the second quarter, we were dominating them up front. Uh, in the trenches but no we we went away and we went right to the pass again we end up kicking a field goal and that's why uh, Dustin Hopkins I know he missed one earlier but he, he I feel really confident when he kicks like compared to Viscano if we were kicking that extra point at the end of the game my gosh or the field goal there's no way he would have made both no way zero chance like I even 20 yarders I would be sketching with him for real uh, or obviously Badley would never do it either but he hits the kick and then the Raiders I'm not even going to talk about the drive. They go down and won the game. They go down and won the game on a 47-yarder as time expired. But one thing people are saying, and it makes zero sense, is they're critiquing Staley for a timeout call. And when I was watching the game, I didn't even realize this until I went. I went on Twitter probably about I don't know 10 minutes after. Once I finally got up off, off the ground, you know, contemplating so many thoughts in my mind. And the first thing I saw trending and whatnot was why did Staley call the timeout? And I didn't, I, so I kind of looked back and I thought about it again. And I remember the situation. There's like 38 seconds left, four on the game clock, or 38 on the game clock, four on the play clock. And the Raiders are third or four. And they were in, they were getting ready to run a play. Like, I don't get why everybody's saying they were kneeling and that they're, they're stuffing. That's just Derek Harbin, I think, just being annoying because that's what he is. But, they were, I mean, they were clearly running a play. They weren't kneeling the ball. Why would they kneel the ball in that situation with how horrendous we were on the ground? They were at the 39, so they wouldn't have kicked it from there or anything either. 
But no, they were getting ready to run a play. And then we called timeout to get the right personnel on the field. And then they came out and they changed their form, but they were still, they were running the ball no matter what. We just end up getting gashed anyways. That So it just, it doesn't make sense. It's not like there was 38 in the game and like 30 on the play clock. So they would have ran like one play like that. They would have ran out the clock. They couldn't even, they couldn't run out the clock. It didn't make sense. You know, and if we would have stepped up and stopped them on the run, then they would have ran out the clock. I don't think they would have attempted a 57-yarder. No way, I don't think they would attempt a 50. Even though Carlson does have a big leg, I don't think they would do it. I wouldn't. Um, or, honestly, in that point, then you could have called, we could have used our last timeout, was my thinking, if we got the stop, and then you kind of make the Raiders decide, you know, because then they can, at the very least, take it down and just attempt a field goal. Then they would have had to punt the ball, because um, no way they would have went for it. They would have just punted it, and then we would have, whatever, we would have kneeled the ball, and we would have went to, we would have we kneeled it ourselves, and the game would have ended a tie. We would have both, at that point, both teams would just been like, hey, let's just tie. But no, we didn't stop them, and our season ended because of it. And it hurts. It hurts a lot. And it will for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, I just don't get why the people that don't know football were trashing Staley for that. It makes zero sense. Zero sense. It wasn't Staley that ended our season. It was our run defense. Plain and simple. And it just, it's, it's kind of crazy the fact that we sit here saying our run defense is what we need most. It, it's pretty pathetic because go back and look at last time we made the playoffs, 2018. We go 12 and four, one heck of a year, tied for the best record in the AFC. Go into the division round after upsetting Bal- or not upsetting, beating Baltimore in their place in the wild card round. We go to New England, Foxborough technically play the Patriots, and we get dis- demolished up front on both ends, offensively and defensively. Now we fixed the offensive line decently, except for right tackle. We got that got exposed so bad. Storm in his worst game, Storm Norton, our right tackle, had by far his worst game since week two against Dallas. It was ugly. It was like Micah Parsons part two with Max Crosby one-on-one with him all day long. Because obviously we have Jared Cook who can't run block. So, and we needed him out there to pass catch because nobody else was making plays. So we had him one-on-one all night and Gawkway was winning as well. It was ugly. It was ugly by the offense line. And that's why when we come to the free agency period, you'll see what I'm doing when I when I address upgrading a right tackle. And no, that doesn't mean keeping Brian Balaga because he won't be on the field. Maybe for half a game. Or maybe maybe he'll, he'll go through one full game this year. Well, he always gets hurt middle game. So he'll play like half of the first and second game and then he'll get hurt and he'll be off for the year. That'll probably be what happened. Okay. Very, very much worth... It was a good contract at the time. I'm not saying it was a stupid deal to make. And he also got Corey Lindsley here. Largely, it was because of Balaga as both played together in Green Bay for many years. So I'll give him that credit. So he, he wasn't completely worthless. Um, but was he worthless as far as on the field? Yes. On field performance, he was very, very much so. Um, yeah, it was, it was ugly at right tackle. Ugly on the run defense. But like I said, going back to that game, the offensive line, Phillip got hit many times. And then the defensive line got destroyed our run defense was terrible that year it was terrible the year before too and it was it was the weakest points both years we had like the worst run defense in the league in 2017 or whatever and 2018 and we just all the patriots did is run up our throats all day so much more physical and the fact that he tom telesco and crew and all the guys in the front of us watched that game and here we are three years later and we're not in the playoffs mainly or most importantly or mainly because of that the biggest reason why because of our terrible run defense, worse than the league again. It's just absolutely incredible. 
Like, I know they drafted Jerry Taylor in the first round of defensive tackle, so they tried to address it. They've gotten Linville Joseph and stuff, but they just didn't. They really, at the end of the day, they obviously didn't get the job done and do a good enough job addressing it. It's just sad. And that, that just shows poor, that's poor front office play. The fact that you don't see a problem, the main problem, in um, make sure that's never happens again when that's the main reason you don't win a Super Bowl. Because that was in 2018. That team was unbelievable. People don't understand how good that team was. So talented. That secondary was ridiculous. Phillip was on one that year. We had Gatesy. We had Hunter Henry coming back. He'd been ready to go. Uh, he really didn't play in Foxborough because it was a blowout. But he was ready to go too. I mean, it's just... That's just such poor front office efforts. And it's very disappointing. And... Really, I just, I don't know what to say anymore with Telesco. I really don't. But I, this this is just a brutal, brutal loss for the Charters. Brutal loss for myself. I can be honest with you and say this is the toughest loss I've ever had to endure, not only as a fan, but even like in my playing days. This is bad. Uh, and it, it's very eerily similar to the Rays loss. I mean, really, ex- like exactly similar to the Rays season-ending loss earlier this year. Back in 2021, which at the time was the worst loss I've ever had to go through as well, which is the truth. Because um, both games happened. Now, the Rays happened in the playoffs because they were good enough to at least get there, unlike the Chargers. But both ended to a division rival on a game-winning play on the road in games that were terribly officiated, which is the truth. Go back and look at the Rays game. You'll see what I'm talking about. Both games, game three and four. It, it hurts, man. It really... It feels like, I'd compare it to this. It's like, I, it's like I dated a girl for like four years and we just broke up. And now, you know, comparing it to how the playoffs are the next four weeks or whatever, four or the next five weeks, I got to watch the playoffs. It's like we just broke up and now I have to watch stories and stuff of her going out, grinding on a bunch of guys and having fun partying with her friends. That's what it feels like I'm doing right now. Now, even though the charters are coming back, and how many months again, just like they always do, it doesn't even feel like it right now. Like, it feels like it just, like, ended. Like, I'm not going to get excited for next year, you know? It's kind of like that girl. You're like, well, she may come back in the end, but it's like, it's just not the same anymore, you know? That's how it feels. It's brutal. Just an absolutely brutal, brutal loss. It's going to take a while to get over. And it's just tough for me, because I don't know if I can ever really get excited as excited for a season as i did this year i don't know what it was but i was just so unbelievable i am every year obviously but i was just so excited for this year i just had such a feeling about this team i really did i thought this was going to be the year that at the very least we make it to like the afc championship game and then we build off that i thought we for sure would win the division i really did and we should have that's the sad thing is we should have like if we played the way i did i, th- I thought we would <laughs> And the potential that we showed at times, I mean, there's no reason we couldn't have. And we, we had the chance to. We we had Kansas City on the ropes to beat him for the second time in a row and and take control of the division. That's what's just crazy, man. I mean, look back. We were two minutes away from sweeping the Chiefs and taking control of the division with three weeks to go. Controlling our destiny, not only for the division, but the AFC. We went out. We, can, we, we get the number one seed home field advantage. And here we are, four weeks later, and we're not even in the playoffs. It just, it's tough, man. It's tough being a Charter fan. I recommend not doing it. 
Um, it's it's one of the hardest things in life. It really is. It's like I'm gonna again compare him to a girl. It's like the girl. She's like the hottest girl you've ever seen. She like on a pa- on paper, she's just a ten. Like she's probably above a ten. Because like when you when you as a young kid and you're finding an NFL team, you see the Chargers. You got wow. You're like the best. Yeah, the best jersey in the league. You got LT, the best running back of all time. So fun to watch. You got. Like I said, great, the best jerseys, unis in the league, cool name, everything, cool colors. Everything about them just on paper is just unbelievable, you know? And then you, you kind of get to know them, and they have a couple, like, right away, they had some good, we had some really good years with them. You know, like, with that girl, you're like, wow, she's like, she's unbelievable, man. Like, how am I, how am I this lucky? And then there comes to a point where stuff starts happening, where you kind of see your true colors, and you're like, well, shoot, man, maybe she isn't it. And she just keeps on doing things that you're like, I can't do this anymore. But but you're like, well, she's just so perfect. She's so hot. I, I, you always think that something's going to happen. Like she's going to change to be better again. Like it's like the Chargers. Every year I think, well, we're it, it's going to be better. We're going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to change. And then it doesn't. Maybe it even gets worse. And there comes a point where she may, she probably cheats and stuff. Like the Chargers losing horrible games and stuff like that and it all falls down and you kind of have a you know you break up or whatever it's like with the charters i have points where i just hate them so much as much as i want to love them i hate them and i can't stand them but then for some reason you just keep allowing them back in you keep allowing her she once again she makes she does things where it's like well she's back she's a 10 i can't i can't let her go that's like the charters. Like you, you just love them way too much. I love them way too much that they just suck me back in every time. They go out and they win one game. And I'm like, man, I'm back. Like right now, two days later, as much as I'm hurting, I keep saying to my sad, I'm looking at a roster when I'm doing like mock drafts and stuff. I'm like, we're going back to Super Bowl next year. You know, I'm putting, I'm already putting it in my mind. I lost a hundred dollars, actually 120 bucks, betting us going to the Super Bowl this year. I was that confident. I really was. That's why, like I said, I really thought we were going to the Super Bowl. Uh, but no, it's like I said, it's like that girl, and you just you can never get over her, no matter what. You just always let her back in. It's much turmoil she puts you through. You just can't do it. That's 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 how I would describe the Charters. Probably that's probably the best way I could describe the Charters. Is the ten on paper that is just messes up a lot and does a lot of things you don't want when you're actually with her but there's just some things that are so great that you, you can never let it go that's that's the Chargers football team but yeah I, I mean come, going into next year I don't know because next year I'm just kind of nervous now because it's, it's a I mean it's a massive year it's not the first year with Staley Herbie's going into year three we I mean we just got a hit next year we really do three years we haven't made the playoffs a lot of guys jobs are on the line more so than with Lynn here at the end. I mean, Telesco, everybody really. Staley even. He's got a big year coming up. So it's it's a little nerve-wracking. It's kind of like the Rays. I look back, the year we made the World Series, I remember I was so confident that year. I just had such a feeling about that team. And luckily, like the Rays, or with the Rays, unlike the Chargers, is when I have a feeling about them, they actually do something. Like it, I'm, it's, it's sad to compare the Rays to the Chargers because one team... Actually, makes me proud every now and then. 
much as all the charters, they just, they really just don't. It, it hurts. But I remember I was so pumped up, and then we lost that game, and it oh, just sucked. And we lost a lot of guys in the offseason. So I kind of went in the next year very nervous because I'm like, we either win the World Series or we do nothing. Because at the end of the day, obviously, I expect us to win the World Series, and I'm mad no matter if, no matter what we do. Even like that year, we went to Game 6 of the World Series. I was incredibly disappointed that we didn't win at all, and I expected better. But, I, you know, you look back at a season, and you still you take the broad picture of it all. And I thought, wow, I, that was the funnest year of my life. You know, I mean, all these amazing moments. I got to see us go to the, play in the World Series. Like, it was, at the end of the day, I was still just incredibly proud of my team. Um, but I thought, I'm like, if we don't do any, if we do anything but that, I'm going to be, it doesn't matter, you know. And, and I was scared. There was a lot more question marks going into the year. So I was more nervous, really, than I was excited, as much as I didn't want to be going into that season. And then we ended up, well, we ended up doing what we do. We won the division again, won team record 100 games, best record in the AL. And then we sadly we lose in the first round of Boston in the AL uh, DS in heartbreak fashion. So it just, it just worries me that that's what's going to happen with the Chargers. I'm just worried. I really am. I'm, uh, it's not as much excitement. It's, it's a lot of worrisome. Obviously, going into last year, too, we saw what Herbie can do at quarterback, so it was exciting to see him. See him play again. See what he had for an encore in year two. I know idiot said he was going to have a sophomore slump, but this guy's just different. And so I'm not in any way surprised he did not. But it's a big year coming in for the Chargers here. It's really, we, we really got to figure it out, man. And gosh, it just, it hurts. Because I've, it, it, it's, in, this is a thing I've done for a couple years now and it, it's pretty embarrassing i i said i would never admit this to anybody unless like i was i'd become the gm one day and we'd win it all or something and it happened but i'll just say this i'll be honest there's i did this a while ago um and it starts well i'll, I'll say this when a team wins the super bowl they have this music it's called like the lombardi i just called it the lombardi theme when i look it up on youtube and it's like do 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 do. It's like that theme, and they play it, and the person or whatever who's holding the Lombardi Trophy walks down the lane to go of the players on like there's players around her walking down between them to go to the stage to uh, bring the trophy to the stage, and all of them you know touch it or kiss the trophy, and that music plays in the background. So I remember one day, and it, I think it was after a, just a brutal loss. I I played that music and I just looked up at the ceiling and I imagined Philip Rivers touching that trophy, holding it in the air, and then doing snow angels or confetti angels with his kids after we won the Super Bowl with his 87 kids. And I remember I just was bawling. Like, just the thought of the Chargers winning the Super Bowl was like the most amazing thing in my life. Just the thought of it made me just tear up so bad. And I'll admit, to this day, every time I do that, it still makes me cry. It really does. I, I don't know why. And I, like I said, I usually do it after horrible losses. Sometimes I'll do it in the off-season and days or, or something. When I do it with the Rays, I usually do it with good, like, imagine the World Series, I do it with good moments. But the Chargers, I always do it when I'm just kind of struggling with them. And I kind of need to pick myself up with them. And I'll, I'll play, I'll play that song. And I'll just, I'll just imagine the Chargers winning the, the Super Bowl. And it, it'll usually be like me watching the TV. That's how it kind of started, watching it happen. And sometimes when I do it, 
I'll play like other teams before it and I'll start in like the AFC Championship and it, it always ends the same way. I always had the same weird feeling how the AFC Championship would go for us. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to spoil it for when it happens next year. But then it, it moves on to the Super Bowl or whatever and we win the Super Bowl and then obviously the Lombardi music comes on confetti's going off and I'm watching us win the Super Bowl you know it's the greatest moment of life I'm calling my brother telling him bro we just won the Super Bowl you know he's the reason I became a Charter fan in the first place watching all the LT highlights um, online for hours on end as a young uh, as a young man what 14 years ago 15 years ago worst decision of my life obviously but nowadays when I usually do it I, I usually do it as like I'm like the general manager on the field of the Chargers because I don't know why I just I mean that would be my biggest dream in life I, I think I could do it I just don't know I wouldn't want to have to think of like if I'd you never know it's the chances of it being with the Chargers is like the tiny and I don't want to I don't want to be the Bills or the Colts GM and one of them a Super Bowl that gives me no feeling in life um but no I'll, I'll imagine myself in that role on the field at the end of the game and Herbie drives us down wins the game and then holding it up and like being the man that helped bring the Charters the Super Bowl and bringing their fans I mean it just it makes me emotional just thinking about it it's truly the thing I want most in life and I think it I'm not it doesn't hurt me to admit that or make me embarrassed and there will be a day it's going to come there will be a day that moment will come and it will be put the realization whether I'm the GM of the time or not. That would have to be a long time from now, so I kind of hope it's not. But unless Telesco keeps struggling, then I'm going to be ready to go very soon here. But yeah, just the thought of the Chargers winning the Super Bowl, man, is just makes makes a guy emotional. And it just, it needs, things need to change in this organization. They really do. To, him, to make it happen because we saw it with Philip Rivers for how many years and that's where it just scares me like is Herbie the next Rivers like I saw the stat where he, almost in 60% of his starts his first 32 starts we have scored at least 27 points and in those games we are 500 or no we're not 500 we're, we're below we're at 15 and 17 that's that's just terrible front office management not giving him a defense and then I saw and in the top five was also Phillip so they were two of the top five were Chargers technically Breeze was in there too but he was only a Charger for a couple years so I'm not gonna bring him into that but that just I mean we for years we said everybody opposing fans everything would be like Phillip Rivers deserves better never having an offense line luckily I will give us credit there we are giving Herbert an offense line we did a great job nailing the Slater pick Lindsley big signing Ibushi was looking great. Filer was a, had a great year. Right tackle just needs to get figured out, and then hopefully Oday resigns a right guard, and that should be solidified completely. But I will give him credit there because Philly never had a good offensive line. But it just shows that he never got a viable defense that he could just rely upon, just at least rely upon and get stops at some point of games, like every other quarterback really does, especially guys like Brady. And it's just sad to think that that could happen. That. His, we can never win a Super Bowl and limit the possibilities that this team can do with this guy at quarterback because we don't build around him good enough. And we it's just so important. Like, it was so important to nail the Staley hiring, in my mind, and uh, the offensive coordinator signing with Lombardi because 
it was another he, he can't have another a new offense every single year he had he had that that's what limited him in college was consistent change at offensive coordinator and a head coach for that matter and having the second one now is obviously Lynn was gone and then Steichen left and even Pep Hamilton our quarterback coach which had a which has a which is a huge reason why Herbie is what he is today I can't give enough credit to Pep quarterback whisperer baby but it was just so huge that we nailed this to get give Herbie the right guy and so that we can finally provide him with some stability coaching wise and in the system he's in as an offense obviously he's clearly smart enough being the biology marriage he is to figure it out no matter what um yeah to figure the offense out no matter what but having that stability and having no knowledge going into the year of his system and being able to just already know not have to go through the basics in training camp and just take the train not have the training wheels on and just go right away is going to be so huge because lombardi I, you know, he, he really got good at the end of the year. He kind of struggled in the last game again, but our offense dialed in from the Cincinnati game on after that Denver game, which was a mess. Uh, the inconsistency really was gone. Uh, we scored 28 or more points in the last six, and we looked very fluid throughout the game. So he, I think he kind of got in a roll. Like I said, we just can't have another new system. I know people want to fire him, but it's just, we can't do it. I, I we, He started to air the ball out. He, he was very limit. He was limiting him big time early in the year. He deserved to go. But our offense finished the year very good. I, I think we're in very good shape offensively. We, we can be a juggernaut, no doubt, on the offensive side of the football. Uh, and I think Staley will figure it out defensively, too. He Right now, he's dealing with a lot of Anthony Lynn guys. Like, Kenneth Murray is an Anthony Lynn player. Like, that was his first-round pick. We traded up from 37 to 23, gave up uh, our second and third round that year to New England to go up and take Kenneth Murray. And it was literally said, like Lynn said, it was, it was his guy. And... Yikes, man. He was horrible all year long. I love Kenneth. I thought K9 was going to have a huge year. I really did. I think everybody did. Uh, and early on, he had some bad injuries and he had some stuff he was dealing with off the field. So maybe that's a factor into it. I'm hoping that was just that was the case. He could just never focus enough this year to get himself going and get himself to the player that we thought we were getting out of Oklahoma when we drafted him the first round a couple years ago. But no, in. in we saw him in coverage, though. He was just a nightmare. And not even just in coverage. In the run game, he takes bad angles. Just everything. Couldn't, can't play Ed Rush. It was The fact that he was on the field as much as he was was just unacceptable on Sunday, and it, it showed. He had a really bad year. But no, like having guys like that that are Anthony Lynn guys, or there's other guys like Nwosu and Kaiser that never flourished in his system, in Gus Bradley's system, the way they did this year with Staley. Um, is huge, is, is and obviously that's why we got to re-sign, re-sign those guys. Is they obviously fit our system very well. But having guys that actually fit his system through the draft and free agency, free agency this year is which which I think we're going to do a lot more of. We better. Telesco cannot be calling all the shots anymore. It just can't happen. And having those guys that fit his system well, guys like Akeem Hicks that have literally played with Staley in the past would be just huge. Um, and so, yeah, we got, I think I'm, I'm really excited. I think Staley's going to learn a lot from this first year. It's the first year ever coaching. He's so young and he came up the ranks so fast. I mean, he was only a defensive coordinator in this league for one year. That's how fast, how smart his football knowledge is. So I'm very excited to see how he'll learn and Lombardi and for Herbie to just have one guy to learn from 
and not another new guy and stuff like that, I think is going to be really a really big thing for this year for us as well. Now, before we move on to the 2022 season, because screw the playoffs, nobody cares. We're on to 2022. It, I didn't want to say this, but it may or may not be my fault. Now, I tracked the statistics of where I watched each Charter game this year. I was 4-0 in our apartment's living room. Now, I was only, I wasn't, we weren't undefeated in the apartment. We were 0-3 then in my, when I watched it in my room in my apartment. I got in the computer or the TV. So that was ugly. But if I watched it out there, we didn't lose. And I came home uh, for that Chief game, and I was home for the last four last four games that we finished one and three after that we were eight and five at the time so maybe i should have just stayed at the apartment stayed here over christmas break or just came back or drove back saturday night for the game on sunday maybe i cost us a season because we were on one then obviously when i went to the game we lost so we were on one on one there we want we were one and oh when i was at the airport i was coming back from arizona when we played the eagles and my flight left right after we won the game on the game winning field goal we were literally the flight was moving it was crazy and we ended up winning that game but we were 0-1 when I was at my parents' room. That's where I watched the Texans game, which was ugly. And then we were 4-3 and when I watched the game in my basement, which that's where I watch. Obviously, I watched the most games. I watched the last game of the year. It's most cozy where I'm all by myself. So maybe I cost this by watching at home this year. Maybe it's my fault. That being said, the 2022 season, NFL season is officially here. We move on. It's time to look at the draft, time to look at the offseason. Let's start by just looking, uh, reflecting on our roster here. We have so much cap space. It looks like we're about over $70 million. I have us at $72 million, $72.59 million heading into next season, which is a lot. It's top. It's either I think it's first or second most in the league. Miami might be first. It depends on how they're going to crunch it. I'm not, and and that's before cuts here. Now there's it's 72 million here, but what I did is I cut Balaga, and with other moves I cut guys like Stick, Neighbors, Josh Kelly, guys that sadly I had to cut, Ogbo, Damon Lloyd, and Kamon Hall. I cut all those guys uh, just because they were just a little bit. It, and those guys, I mean, they were about it was about five million right there taken off it was just spots where we didn't need where we didn't need people or we can we can use that money instead on other players so after you do that we're at about 87 88 million dollars which is absolutely incredible going into the year to make moves and i think the draft we have a lot of picks this year we have 11 picks so it, it will probably be about 10 million i think i heard someone say the draft will cost us so i try to get it down to about that number with free agency and I still wanted to leave a little bit of room because we had a, you know, we got Derwin coming up, his extension coming up, which should get done this offseason as well. Herbie's in a couple years and, and stuff like that. So we got stuff coming up, moves coming up that we're going to have to make that we got to get ready for as well. Can't just spend it all. Or we'll be like teams like Minnesota, New Orleans and stuff and be in cap, H-E, you know what. Looking at the roster, quarterback, we look horrible. Absolutely kidding. I'm kidding. No. Justin Herbert is our actually no sorry let's start with our free agent class we have 24 free agents or 22 actually my fault and then we have a couple of guys that are restricted free agents like Chicken Parm Jalen Guyton um who else Storm Norton guys like that are 
are restricted. Actually, a couple guys that are restricted, Ty Long and Storm Norton, I will say I did cut. They, they got to go. I'm sorry. Storm wasn't very, was not bad, actually. I give him a lot of respect for coming into the role. He had a couple, he, he played until the last game of the year. He started to play a little bit better. I just think he's got to go. I know, I would be fine keeping him as a depth piece, but I, I thought we could just make that move in the draft or free agency or something. And you'll see what I'm going to do with right tackle. So obviously him and Balaga are gone. So right tackle is completely open. We have none. Unless we throw in Trey Pipkins there, which he looked great. I mean, he, he came in and played. We all got to send an apology letter, including myself, to Trey Pipkins. Stepped up. Very limited role. He had a start at the Chief game, and he played or with Slater on when the COVID lifts, and he played extremely well. Didn't have to say his name all the entire time. Like, offensive lineman is one of those positions where it's like if you don't mention them or you don't realize, don't really focus on them, that means they're doing their job well. You know, because you're not seeing them getting blown up every play off the edge. So Slater could, but at this point, I'm just going to keep him as a, a solid, very solid depth piece instead of Storm Norton. He'll be our depth piece at tackle. Um, now, Ty Long is the other guy. We just we need better punting now. We have the worst net punting rating in the league. He just doesn't... It's obviously his problem at this point. I don't think our coverage is great either, but I think his hang time has something to do with it. Let's just, let's just get a better punter. Guy that can boot the ball I want. Field position is just massive, massive. And we did great. We had a great step in getting Andre Roberts. Obviously, had a horrible fumble last game, but still, outside of that, our special teams was, was so much improved since he came back. And that's why I actually have us re-signing him. We need to. We need that return specialist back there. I got us re-signing Dustin Hopkins to be our kicker. Like I said, only a couple misses from fifty plus. His leg is, he doesn't have a huge leg, but he's clutch and he's very. He's consistent, or he's dependable, which is more than we ever, really ever have a kicker. So we can either go on a guy that finally was actually probably the, maybe the best kicker we had since, well, Badgley in his money batter rookie year, but like consistent kicker since maybe Nick the Kick Novak or Kading and Hopkins. So you can either do that or you can risk going with Viscano, who's still on the practice squad, or going with another guy again and have trying that out which we've seen with guys like Caleb Sturgis, Young Oku in the past. Not pretty. So that, and then Overton, the, our long snapper, I also re-signed. Just cause. So that, we're looking for a punter in the draft for the offseason, but kicker, long snapper, that's figured out. Linville, I let go of. I love the man, but he's old, and you could tell, I, I don't know, it just looked like he regressed a little at the end of the year after he had injury. After he, he had started the year very good, then he got hurt midway through and he just never was the same uh so him christian covington as well at defensive tackle i also let go of not a bad player made some good plays actually um but i think that's that's just a position where we just kind of got to revamp now actually let's not go let's go through the free agents when i go through the roster so starting at quarterback obviously herbert i re-signed chase daniel i thought he was a great influence on herbie i would feel somewhat decent with him coming in the game after, especially when he ended our season like the Raiders did in 2014 when he was with Kansas City. So he's done, he has experience ending our playoff hopes in the past himself. So I just re-signed him to another one-year, $1,075,000 deal. Call it good for our backup situation. At running back, obviously Eck is our starter. This is a huge thing we got to get right is the backup behind Eckler. We need a very good, consistent back. 
behind him. I mean, we tried out four different ones this year. JJ, Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, The Rook, and Darius Bradwell, and none of them wanted to step up. Other than, well, JJ does, Justin Jackson, but he can never be healthy. That being said, he had his healthiest year yet, 14 games he played, over five yards of carry again. He's just such a good back. I re-signed him to be our backup, and we could still make a move in the offseason. I, I will say in my draft, my mocks here, I made three of them. That will be addressed as well. Um, but no, I re-signed Josh Kelly, or Justin Jackson, let go of Kelly. I just think if he can stay healthy like he does, he is he's very good. He's he's just so incredibly shifty. He's such a smart runner, elusive, um, and very good at finding the hole. He, and, he, and he improved as a pass catcher, as we talked about in a previous uh, podcast episode. So look for him as our backup running back. I'd be very pleased. Now, I kept Larry Roundtree, the rook from last year. He had a tremendous preseason, man. It looked like he was going to be the guy for the job as a backup. And then, I don't know, it just wasn't it just wasn't consistent in-game. He had a touchdown against the Vikings, but other than that, really didn't have any production in the regular season. I think he'll still be on the roster, though. So maybe he will. Maybe he'll change it around this year. At receiver, Keenan. Maybe we'll restructure it. He had, I don't know, he, I don't, it was weird. He, he was tied for with Jamar Chase for the leading the league in drops. I, it's just so inconsistent of, so strange of Keenan. I mean, he's one of the best route runners in the league. Ben, arguably the best in the league. One of the best receivers in the league overall. Um, but he just had, it was just weird. He usually is one of the most consistent with his hands too. Just wasn't the case all year, which was strange. He had a horrendous drop against the Raiders in the last game. So I'm a little bit disappointed in him there. But he's still, he's still Keenan flipping Allen, man. Mr. Consistent. And he's going to be our number one receiver. I re-signed Mike Will. That last game, after that last game, how can you not, man? He's, we need him in our offense. I don't want to risk getting someone else. Devontae Adams is going to re-sign with the Packers because Rodgers is going to stay. Let's just stop with that. So let's just gladly re-sign Mike Will. Somebody said four years, 68 mil. I would take that. 17 million a year. I'll gladly do that. We could also franchise take him. At the very least, he got a franchise take him. He's, he's just a big piece for our offense. And then obviously Guidi stays and Josh Palmer. And that kind of rounds it out going into free agency. Uh, they really stopped. Guidi finally got going at the end of the year. He had a great last game too. Made some clutch catches at the end. Had the catch right before Mike Will's game winner on the sideline that put us in better position. Or else we had to throw a 29-yard strike for the win. Or for the tie. No time expired, but said it was only 12 yards. But he really did. He had no touchdowns through the first 12 games of the year. Or 11 games. And then at Cincinnati game, he finally caught a deep ball. And it continued in the Giants game. He had one. He had a tutty against Kansas City. He was on a roll. He really found himself at the end of the year, which was good to see. So I'm excited. Uh, hopefully he can continue to stretch the field and get better hands this year. That's one thing in the receiver room. we got to find a guy that can just make plays after the catch. Like Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel. That's what I want. Like I feel like that would just be so huge. Like Once he gets the ball in his hands, he's explosive. Guys like Joe Reed in the past just haven't panned out. That were supposed to be those type of guys. Or, like, we need, like, Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal was kind of that guy for us. I miss a guy like that. We need that. And then Josh Palmer. I have huge expectations for Palmer. We all know how I feel about him. I broadcasted it a lot in the offseason. Uh, he had a great preseason. He had a really good year. Made plays all the time. He, he's very, he has very good hands. He might have the best hands on the team, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm very excited about his development, for sure. I think he can really invo- evolve into a weapon for our team. At tight end, uh, Jared Cook, sorry, but he's got to go. He's too old. He just makes too many miscues, man. We can't deal with that anymore. 
Um, I re-signed Steven Anderson. I'm a big Steven Anderson supporter. I don't know why. I just think he's a very good player. He's he's a, he's a solid athlete. I think we should give him the ball more. And he can play fullback and tight end. That's why neighbors I cut because neighbors. I mean, he was inactive for about the past how many games? That's another gripe I have. Like I hate when we, you know, as much as I love Easton Stick, the NDCU cat. Like why carry guys on a roster that just take up a space? Like there's just no reason to have a third quarterback to have four running back or. To have a fullback if we're not even gonna make make him active, just stuff like that. When we have other holes and other places have injuries and stuff like that, where we need to be be uh, rotating players consistently and stuff. I, I just hate when we do that stuff. That's got to change this year. It's really annoying. But so that's why Steven Anderson I kept. So he's kind of in the role, and like I said, he's a, he's a solid pass catcher. He's underrated as a pass catcher. And I also believe Chicken Parm. Hopefully he comes back healthy. That's what matters the most and really the only thing that matters at the end of the day. Um, and he, I mean, he's a weapon, man. He's a weapon all over the field. Six foot eight, and he just makes plays. He got better when he gets up on his hands, making plays afterwards and stuff, better with his routes. I think he can develop into a solid tight end one weapon, not only in the red zone, but overall, which we need. And then also McKitty is a terrific run blocker, which is something I'm very... Happy to have a tight end. We got to utilize him more too. Up front on the line, it will be Slater, Filer, Lindsley. The left side is looking beautiful. The right side, very, very different. A lot of question marks. Uh, both our starting, both guards that have started this year, Odea Boucher, who was tremendous on that one-year deal until he tore his ACL, which is terrible, and then Michael Schofield, who has always been decent for us. I mean, he's always stepped in the role and been solid. Uh, but I so I actually kept both of them. Uh, I, I'd like to give Oday another chance to start, and then I like Sko as a solid backup piece along with Brandon James at guard. Uh, I kept Scotty Q at center, very solid backup center. He's extremely underrated. Every time he comes in and plays, like when Lindsley was out week sixteen against Houston, he just he's a solid player, man. Very underrated player. I like him, and I hope he stays well. I think he could start somewhere though. Like when I did the uh, Miami Dolphins. Um, roster change for next year um, earlier this year kind of during the season I had them signing him like every time because that's what they should do and then obviously Calamete's gone Calamete can yeah he can get the heck out please ugh he's oof. that game in Denver nightmare everybody said it too they're like this guy's horrible everywhere he's always horrible and they weren't wrong and then obviously like I said a right tackle we have nobody because Balaga and Norton are both gone uh, that's for the offense. Looks very good. Couple places we could make some moves. Maybe if we're going to go running back, if we don't re-sign Justin Jackson, want to replace him and get a solid running back too. Tight end we could go, and then the right side of the line just got to get figured out. Defense. More question marks here. Bosa, and then we got to re-sign Uchenna. And what Staley said in his end-of-the-season press conference here really sounded like he wants to keep Uchenna, which is awesome. Man, was he on a roll at the end of the year. He, he didn't really get going early on. I think he just wasn't used to starting. I mean, obviously, he had always had to be in a backup role since we had Melvin Ingram. So he was finally getting the majority share of snaps at the end, and he finally got into the role. He's finally kind of supplemented himself there and got comfortable with himself. And he's just a big-time player, man. Uh, we saw the Raiders. He was the play, player of the game. From, from the opening snap, he was the best player on that field for us all night. I'm excited maybe hurt. He definitely defensively he was. 
And we saw it against the Chiefs. He made a pick. He had a couple battle balls, a couple more battle balls that game. And then we saw, I mean, from his rookie year, he ended the game, wild card game against Baltimore with the strip sack of Lamar. So he's just a big-time player in big-time games, and that's the kind of guys you want to have on your football team if you want to win the Super Bowl. So no question you re-sign Uchenna. No question. Young player, too. So it's a no-brainer for me. And I got him at $5.5 million. That's what some guys said he'd probably be around worth. That'd be a perfect deal. So we're looking good there. And then I didn't re-sign Fackrell. He wasn't too bad. Uh, I actually liked him. I just think we can we can find an improvement in free agency. He, he he dealt with injuries and stuff like that, so he wasn't always available. I think we can just find someone a little bit more fierce to help out Bosa when he needs to take or needs a breather or just in general to get him so he's not double teamed the entire game. And then I kept Chris Rump. I think Chris Rump could be a lot. People kind of underrate him. I, he didn't really do much his rookie year, but I don't know why I like him. He's a cool guy, and I just think he has a lot of potential. I really see it. I, I can feel it. At defensive tackle, we have to get this right. I said Linville and Covington are gone. Justin Jones has to get re-signed. He is by far our best run defender, and he can also get to the quarterback at times. He needs to stay, and I think we will for sure keep him. Tillery will keep... But we need to keep Tillery as like a just a pure pass rush defense tackle, man. He, with all their sec, he he got better this year, but he just isn't it in the run game, and he's just still too inconsistent. So we can't depend on him to start and make plays consistently. I kept Joe Gaziano and Brendan Fajoko, both just big bodies in there that can run stuff. Both underrated. Fajoko played tremendous this year uh, in his limited snap count. They're not free agents either, but no matter what, even if they were, I'd probably keep them as depth pieces. Good depth pieces there at D-tackle. As much depth as we can get in any place on defense is a luxury. Because that's not what we had. This was, it was clear how low a depth we had this year when we had literally any injuries to any defensive placement. It was clear, and it was not good. Going to the linebackers, Kaiser, need, Kaiser White needs to get re-signed. He had a career year. He's always flashed that potential since we... Uh, drafted him fourth round. The former safety out of West Virginia turned into the linebacker. Just he's just a solid player, man. Like the first, I remember his rookie year, how good he looked. He had a pick against the Bills in his second game, and then he got hurt. And then he was never really the same player the next couple years. But he turned it on this year, uh, right in time for a contract. Over a hundred tackles. Uh, it was like him and Derwin both had over a hundred tackles. Should have made the Pro Bowl. Should have been at least like an alternate or something. He was snubbed with that. So he's a guy we got to resign and keep. He's just a great fit in Staley's defense. And then obviously Drew Tranquil, just a playmaker. Every time that guy plays, he makes something happen. I love that guy. Another fourth-round linebacker that we Velasco hit on. So I'll give him credit there. He's good there. Just take a linebacker every fourth round. That's what he's got to do. Um, I did keep Kenneth Murray. I It would probably be nice if we traded him or something. I'm not sure what we did with him at this point. I just kept him as a death piece. But yeah, I, I mean, he's still he's a first round pick for a reason, man. He's if I, third year is usually the year where they got to figure it out. So if he doesn't figure it out this year, he's he's gone. Um, I like I said, Ogbo and Lloyd, I cut Nick Neiman, I kept Nick Neiman's a pretty good player. I think he should have he should have played instead of Kenneth Murray. He had a pick against the Giants, and he's a solid special teams player. Uh, the rookie out of Iowa, that's what his draft analysis was. He's a good special teams guy, and it showed. And I think he has ability at linebacker too. So I kept him for de- or definitely kept him on the team. Corner. This is another position we got to figure out. Chris Harris, see you later. Man, was he just, oh, he was bad. He's really bad. He was, he was, he was bad. That's no other way to put it, man. He's just old. 
dominated us all those years against Denver. That's why I was I was excited when we we signed him, man. After watching him pick off Philly every time we'd play him, he's one of those guys that every t- every team has one of those opposing players that just always does something, makes plays against them, and he was he was that guy with us. Um, he's an all he was a former All Pro for a reason, but no, he was really bad. He's got to go. Devonta Harris was ugly, ugly player. We saw it against Houston. He got tossed by trash receivers. Chris Ryan Smith was hurt all year. Those guys just let him walk in free agency. And then I cut Kamon Hall just because I I rather replace him with someone else. He didn't really play, so I can't say much. Uh, Michael Davis has got to have a big year, man. We invested a lot into him. We I mean we technically chose him over Casey this year to be our cornerback one and Casey outplayed him by a million so he, he's got a big year coming up he really does with that contract and then across is Sante as long as he can stay healthy that man is going to be some type of player uh he's a playmaker he's a baller he had a couple picks early in the season and then he just kind of had a lot of injuries and stuff but he's going to be a heck of a player in some time and then I kept Devon Campbell now he started the year very well he played very good at the end of last year I think he could be a decent slot player I really do I always thought that because he's fast he's quick he, he just doesn't have great coverage skills and it's or especially ball skills um that's what really limits him he doesn't get his head turned around but i kept him as a depth piece i think he could have some potential so i kept him at safety and obviously we have derwin nothing to say there other than that he should be extended this offseason which i think we will do hopefully we do i let trey marshall go that guy's just too slow man when derwin was out oh my goodness was it ugly to watch yeah he's got to go um, and then Naz, Naz really stepped up, which was awesome to see. If he could just make him a little bit more plays, hopefully our defense is better where he gets those chances. He didn't really have those chances. Because um, he, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's scary, or he can do some good things. Although he's had a really good year, I thought at times. Um, had an ugly moment against the Vikings where he ran into Derwin and ended up being a touchdown on fourth and goal. But I think he's a solid guy to keep his depth piece as well as Mark Webb, who was hurt all year. We drafted him last year, seventh round at Georgia kept them as a depth as well so that's that's how the roster kind of looks out so mike will justin jones kaiser white chenna nuosu odea boucher chase daniel scott quesenberry justin jackson steven anderson matt overton michael schofield andre roberts and dustin hopkins all stay those are all re-signees of the team that's not including the restricted free agents um so then we go to free agency we re-signed 13 guys let 11 walk and we cut how many guys did we cut? Cut seven guys. Just had to be made. And they're like I said, they're very little cuts outside of Balaga, which is hate to do it, but it has to happen. Um So we go to free agency and it's a big one. Like I said, seventy over eighty after these cuts, eighty eight million dollars. My goodness. And for me, I mean, a lot of the guys we had to re-sign, though. So, okay, after the re-signing period, we're at about $38 million. So that's the biggest priority is re-signing some of those guys, especially like Mike Will, and then we have to extend Derwin, which doesn't kick in until next year, luckily. But I'm looking at right tackle for sure, another corner. It would be nice if it was a slot guy. We could go safety, backup, backup help at safety and defense end, and then a run-stuffing run or defensive tackle. And then we could also go tight end if we wanted or backup running back but some of those we're also going to um, um, look after in the draft but in free agency I went I went and got Alex Kappa the right tackle from Tampa 
had, had he's had a great year. Uh, got him for ten million, and he's younger, so that solidifies our line for a long time, really. With that move, for definitely for the upcoming years, I thought that would be a huge move. Pipkins would back him up at right tackle. Then I think we'd be in good place there. I want Arden Key, uh, the Niners' defensive end, to back up Bosa. Just not a lot of money we got to give him. He's a big, talented edge rusher. He's younger. I feel like that'd be a very solid move on a one-year deal. And then I want Akeem Hicks. Like I said, Staley's guy. Now he doesn't have the pass rush ability that he once had in Chicago. But he's just still a big boy that takes up space. So if he stays healthy, he shouldn't be worth as much, a lot of money, not like his $10 million contract he last had because of injuries and stuff and age. But I just still think he has that potential to just be a tank for us. I would be excited if we got him. Ecstatic at that. And then I went for corner. I went Charvarius Ward to take over for Chris Young, Chris Harris. Because, I mean, a lot of the corner, the corner market has a lot of 30 plus year old guys and after the chris harris debacle i i just couldn't get myself to do it like patrick peterson um steven stefan gilmore i was just too scared to do it man even on one year's deals i just couldn't do it to myself so i went with a younger guy poaching him from kansas city he's, he's a pretty solid player and the chiefs have a lot of corners so i feel like especially with how mike hughes played this year i think they'll try to re-sign him more to pair up with luxurious needs so i I poached him from Kansas City. Those are the four moves I made. I didn't do anything at tight end and stuff. I will tell you why when we get to the draft process of this. But I got our starting defensive tackle to run stuff with JJ, the artillery rotating and passing downs. Got a right tackle for the future. And I got a solid, another solid corner to put in and uh, edge rusher to help out Bosa and Cheney. And before we do move to the draft here, Let's have a discussion. Should Tom Telesco be the guy that gets to spend all this money and make these decisions? Does he? 69 and 78, 76 and nine years of the job. No division titles. Only two playoff appearances. Does have five winning seasons, which means we've been nine and a seven a lot since only two playoff seasons has that translated to. I mean, just, you know, so in two playoff game wins and no appearances has made it to the divisional round twice and that's it that's just that's terrible man like give me nine years i'll tell you i'll win a division title especially when you look at the fact that it's been philip rivers and justin herbert for all of those years just so bad that really is like it goes back to that stat earlier about how many games we put up 20 those they both have put up 27 plus and we've lost just embarrassing um so, I mean, really, does he deserve, like, because you can say a lot about the picks. I think he, there's obviously some things he does very well. But some of the things, like some of the draft picks, like, I, I myself would have made. Like, Herbie, we would have took Tua if he was there, let's be honest. What they said afterwards, they said they were happy with both quarterback, both quarterbacks. They would have took Tua if Herbie would have gone to Miami. It was, it was more the Dolphins effing up than it was making us a good, make, us making a good pick. And then Derwin, I was I would have took that too. Sante, uh, Slater, those were layups, man. Like with all due respect, that's what we all would have did. I would give him credit on Bosa because a lot of people are saying we should have took even like DeForest Buckner instead of him. He did take Bosa. That was a good pick. And like I said, Kaiser White, um, maybe Uchenna Nuosu, Drew Tranquil. Obviously, he's done some great things. And you you saw the roster built up, how good it was, and how talented it was in 2018. But on the other hand. 
free agency's been a little bit of a struggle. There's been some good stuff. There has been. But, like, when it comes to offensive line with, like, Blaga, Orlando Franklin, guys that are often injured, Trey Turner has not worked out very well. So, I, I there's just more bad than there is good when you have as talent, a Hall of Fame quarterback and now the most talented quarterback I've ever seen, other than maybe Aaron Rodgers. You just... Having two never win in the division is just unacceptable. And so this is really, it's got to be his final shot. It does. But that's, I hate saying that because it's like saying, that's saying he screwed up with 70 million plus to spend. And after cuts, 80 plus million. So if he's, if he can screw that up, then we're in a bad spot, man. We really are. We, he has to hit in these free agency signings and in the draft really, really hard because this is Justin Herbert's future at stake. Uh, we're going to have his contract coming up big, too, here. That's going to be, what, 40-plus million off. So we got to hit here soon. It's it's now or never for TT. And I'll be honest, I don't know if he should be the guy doing it. I would be fine if we made a move. I would. He's not aggressive enough during seasons, too. Like, I think that the, the Robert, Andre Roberts and D-Hop moves were tremendous. But obviously, that Staley had a saying in that because we've never made moves like that with Lynn or Mike McCoy so should tell should Telesco be the one calling the shots I'm not exactly sure he should be but I I see zero chance he isn't at this point but this is it for him I mean he's also messed up in his coaching hires obviously he's failed twice so yeah it's like I said it's a huge year for everybody especially Tom Telesco he's probably the one that's got the hottest seat in the building and should with that being said, let's go Let's go to the draft. I made three mock drafts here, and I'm going to put out my depth chart thing. I made a whole uh, depth chart layout on Excel. I'm going to put that out on Instagram soon so you guys can see what I all did. Since it's kind of hard to write, and you can't really write this down or get it all in your head right now. I can suck at explaining and stuff. So let's start. The first one, I went Kair Elam. Uh, the corner out of Florida in the first round at pick 17. Remember last time we had pick 17? Guess who we got? Derwin James. Just keep that in mind. But we went Elam. I've heard very good things about him. And I'll say right now, I haven't looked at I just started looking at the draft because I don't like looking at it during the season because I don't want to even think about it. I want to think about the charters. So I don't know a lot about these guys. I really don't. I don't know guys that I like personally and stuff. I'm just Some guys obviously I've watched in college, so I know. but Or a lot of the guys I know from college, but I don't really know as prospects what they are. So I'm kind of taking what they say offline and stuff. But I've heard a lot of good things about him. He's a longer physical corner, and I I think that's something that's huge that we have. Especially if Michael Davis continues to struggle, he's kind of that longer corner that we, physical corner that we have. Elam can come right in for him. So we get Charvarius Ward, we get Elam, we're looking to go to corner. Second round, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle to Georgia. We have to go defensive tackle early. Uh, and one mock draft I have is going Jordan Davis in the first round. The Georgia, another Georgia defensive tackle. They have three defensive tackles. Where you go, it's crazy, man. That's how good they are. I mean, no wonder they won the national championship. We got to take at least one Georgia defender, or we mess up. Uh, and I went, I mean, huge run stuff for. I mean, that guy is massive, bro. Six seven three, what three thirty? I think probably more. Just an absolute tank that takes up space in the middle. Uh, the only thing with him is a lot of people say there's a lot of uh, durability issues. So you're saying you're going to pay, you know, $5 million in a first-round pick for a guy that plays 50% of the snaps. That's just that's something that scares me. 
Uh, but I looked at Wyatt, a guy that we get in the second round, and they said he's got a great motor. And obviously, we're looking for run stuffing because, I, like I said, Tillery can be that guy as a pass rusher. So, and they said Wyatt has both abilities, so that would be huge to get. And we got key mix in the offseason, so that's big. And I actually got Wyatt. Yeah, I got Wyatt in two, and then I got Davis in the one. And in the first round, I got Ke- I went Kyrie Elam in two of them, and then Jordan Davis in the one. So corner and defensive tackle gotta be gotta get moves there and then the one with jordan davis i went corner second round so it kind of flip-flops and all three mocks i went kyler gordon out of washington um he can play both on the outside and in the slot which is huge which is what i love to hear obviously with chris harris leaving too we kind of need a guy there at that position so i really like what i heard out of him looks like he, he sounds like he's ready to go pro ready i thought that'd be a big move um in the first mock with Elam and Wyatt, I went linebacker Chad Muma out of Wyoming. They said he's a coverage linebacker. He's used to play safety in either, I think it was high school. He's got that background, so he can cover. And like we saw in the last game, we could need help as in linebackers that could cover because Kenneth Murray cannot be doing that ever again. And then I went, I went tackle. I addressed the need there. Also with safety, got another backup defensive end. Once I uh, got some depth for the interior offensive line. So I, I got depth pieces at the offensive line position. I got speed and Kelvin Austin, receiver from Memphis. I think that could be a late-round sleeper that could be our speed guy receiver and be our, our yards-after-catch machine. That's a guy I really like. Um, and most of these, I also went two corners, actually, just continued corner depth. I also went a late-round safety, good safety depth. And then in two of these, I went and I went, I went and got Jalen Weidermeyer, tight end out of Texas A&M. He had a lot of hype to be a first-round prospect going into this season. Didn't really pan out. Didn't really have as big a year as people thought he would. But I'm gonna say that's due to more quarterback play and stuff. This guy is tr- tremendous intangibles, and he just gives Herbie another weapon at receiver or at tight end. Uh, McKitty can be our run blocker. Uh, Chicken Parm improved in that area. Steven Anderson could be that guy as well for us. So him and Chicken Parm at tight end. Can you imagine those two tight end sets with a guy in Weidermeyer who's physical and versatile in the pass-catching game at tight end? Whew. I wouldn't want to face that. Yeah, so I think that would be a sweet move to get. Instead of paying a lot in free agency for a guy like Njoku and stuff who can have injury issues and stuff, I like that move. And then in most of these, I always went a running back. Um, and it kind of deferred. I went Brian Robinson, who's a more physical big back from Bama. Great player. Get him in the fifth round would be a steal. At one pick 158 to be either our second back or even our third. I went Charbonnet in the fourth. UCLA back. Now after Josh Kelly, I'd be kind of scared to take a running back out of UCLA in the fourth round. But might have to take that gander. And then I went Brees Hall in the third. That would be sweet. If we got Brees Hall in the third after this, I love this draft. Jordan Davis, Kyler Gordon, Brees Hall, and then Weidermeyer in the fourth. I don't think that's going to happen. That's how it ended up on my, the mock draft database that I love to use. But if it did, holy, would I be in heaven. And then, like I said, every time I go for a backup defense and late round, safety depth, and line, lineman depth all over the place at guard and tackle, Calvin Austin at receiver. And then I go punter. Uh, Matt Areze. Areza is the best available according to a bunch of these mock draft rankings uh, out of San Diego State. We need an upgrade over Ty Long. 
I get free agency I could see going we could do as well I just went with a draft why not we have 11 picks we might as well use them on something so I went punter and then or Jordan Stout at Penn State I used another one but man do we look good I mean our roster once you look at it wow it's and and obviously I mean there's more moves we can make like we can make a splash like say we went and got a guy like JC Jackson at corner because he's like I said, go after a corner that's younger. Not a guy over 30 anymore. Okay? Don't do that anymore. We saw it with Derek Cox and stuff too, not just Chris Harris. But, wow, that would be that would probably be my dream signing no matter what. I just don't see any way he leaves New England. But a guy like Alex Kappa would also make him very happy. Ward, I'd be so pleased. I just think if we make these moves and we end up with $12 million in cap before the draft picks, so like I said, we still have room for next next couple of years. A lot of these guys will probably be more one-year deals and stuff too but it's the Super Bowl or bust season coming up it always is it's always Super Bowl or bust but this year for sure like I'm not satisfied I hate when fans say oh we did better than last year we went nine and eight we didn't make the playoffs even like if you're satisfied with nine and eight we had some good moments sure we improved in areas sure I can say that we can say we improved but you can't say if you if you say we had a good year your expectations are on the floor for this team and mine are sky high every year no but seriously we have the offseason that we should have with all the cap space and all the draft picks and this is a team that we're looking at in 2022 that nobody's going to want to play i mean i look at this roster man which is just so which the problem this year it's just so incredibly top heavy because when we had to get into our depth pieces in any position, like I said defensively earlier, it was a nightmare. But this is a team that I see with a lot of depth. That was one big thing I said in the draft, whether it be on the line or really anywhere, is just depth, depth, depth. It's a big thing. But it's a team it's just stocked with talent. And if we can hit with the... We got to hit in the draft, not even just early, late, everywhere. Hitting the draft all the way through. Hitting free agency. And, and guys play. Some guys have better years than they had this year. They have more consistent seasons. And guys play like they always will every year. Wow, it just... I see a scary team that's not going to just start 4-1 and one and 8-5 and five and then just miss the playoffs in the end. But I see a team that's going to keep that energy until February, the second now second Sunday in February. And it's going to be a scary sight. Sadly, we can't host that game anymore. But it doesn't matter where it is. We're going to be there and we're going to win it all. And I wish I was the guy to do it. Hopefully the Chargers will somehow see this video. And if Telesco fails again, they'll, they'll see this and they'll be proud. They'll be impressed and give me a job. Probably won't happen, sadly, but we can dream. If we have another bad year, then yes, I'm, I'm going to have to do something to get that job. But no, I, the, as much as I complain about the Chargers and as hurt as I am right now, the future at the end of the day the future is really bright with this team and boy can there be something special to be that i think is i feel like is brewing i really do we just need we just we're pieces away but those are those pieces can definitely be found this season in the off season and i think they will be and i hope they are and i trust this team and i believe come next year we're gonna be ready to roll and we're going to be a scary, scary team. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode five of the Powder Blues.
Uh, I apologize for the lack of diversity in this one, as it was just all about the charters. Coming up, I want to do more discussions. I, I had more stuff to go, but a lot of it dealt with like the NFL playoffs, and I don't want to talk about the NFL playoffs, really. Maybe I probably will in the next episode a little bit, but for the most part, I'm just, I just don't want to do it. So we'll, we'll find things to talk about, The Bachelor, stuff like that, uh, in upcoming, but thank you everyone for listening.